Welcome to Ride Every Stride, episode 76. Welcome to Ride Every Stride with Van Hargis, a podcast about horsemanship and more. Our goal is to educate, motivate, inspire, and entertain you through an exploration of everything horsemanship and the intersection of horsemanship and humanship. My name is Laura McClellan, and I'm your co-host on Ride Every Stride, and I am here with Master Horseman Van Hargis. Hey, Van. Hey there, Laura McClellan. How are you? I'm doing all right. Good. Hey, I've got something that ought to cheer you up. Since you do podcasts, you realize that it's just, isn't it just amazing that you get listeners from all over the world? Well, you have a new listener on Ride Ever Stride now from Zimbabwe. Mm. She wrote to wrote us a really neat little letter, and I'll I'll share that with uh, with everyone uh, later on our website and everything. But uh, it's a real I have her permission to do so. But it was a real neat little letter. She complimented you immensely, saying that you're perfect. That you you ask all the right questions at all the right times, and and I thought, oh, good, Laura, I'll be happy to hear that. But I just thought it was kind of cool that, that we would have a horse person and a listener to Ride Every Stride in Zimbabwe. That is and pretty that, cool. Yeah, isn't that cool? And then another thing, I'd like to give a shout out to another listener we have up in New Hampshire. She just completed their little show series for the summer. And I'm proud to say that in, even though she tried to give us credit for all of her victories, I told her that, no, it wasn't you listening to us, although we greatly appreciate it. But she tried to give credit to you and me by saying that we inspired her and we gave her lots of stuff to think about and do and listen. And and, uh, as a result, she put the things that she learned for us into practice. And as a result, she finished second high point in her series for this summer. So we're very proud of her for that. And um, but again, I have to give her the credit for all the hard work and actually applying the things that she's been hearing and listening. And I think that's the most important thing for people to remember that. You and I may be a voice, but the reality is they have to apply. And when they do those things and, and they do them diligently, then success can, can be achieved. And so a big shout out to Miss Carrie up in New Hampshire for her successes all summer. Yeah. Congratulations. That's pretty exciting. Yeah. That's what makes it cool to do this, you know, because you don't know how many times, and, and I'm sure the listeners out there that may not know me so well, I'm one of those people that has to have everything is perf- close to perfect as I can. So whenever something goes wrong with our schedule or our timing or whatever, it's very easy for me to want to kick the dirt and say, you know, to heck with that, I'm going to go and do something different. And through your persuasion and as well as everybody writing in and letting us know how much a positive effect we're having on them, it really inspires me to bug you to say, come on, let's, let's, let's record one. And and I say that bugging you. you, you've never once, you know, turned me down and I hadn't had to literally beg. I say that just to be kind of funny. But um, but it's very inspiring, and I want folks to know, our listeners to know, that it's it's because of their input and because of the positive impact that they're experiencing. That's it, why it's you do motiv- it. Yeah, it motivates us to do what we do. So with yeah. that, I want to say a great thank you to them and to you for making it all possible, Laura. Uh, well, you know, it's fun. I mean, it, it is a challenge. I, I I didn't take it as a, you know, your your little joke about having to bug me about it. It's not that, as you said, it's just, I live in North Texas, you live in South Texas, and we both have busy schedules. So it's always interesting trying to coordinate our schedules and our rural internet functionality. Right, yeah, yeah. 
And, and I want people to know, too, if you've never been to Texas, when Laura says she lives in North Texas and I live in South Texas, that's only a few hundred miles apart. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not like you're going to throw the dart and have to worry about hitting each other in the ass. I mean, it's a, it's a, pretty, good, it's a pretty good distance. It's an all-day drive. I mean, people joke all the time about how you, one of the things about Texas is you can drive all day and still be in the state. So Yep. Yeah. So, anyway. And in fact, you know, it would if I was to go up there and visit with you, Laura, it would take me a good six and a half hours just to pull into your driveway. So just yeah. to kind of give everybody a little bit of idea whenever we're talking about a little distance between the two of us. And thank God that the Internet does make it possible for us to communicate much easier. But sometimes, like you said, just coordinating the schedules and the rural Internet services is is a challenge. And but it's it's worth it if we get the feedback that we yeah. continue to get. So we'll 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 keep bringing it to you, people. We just really appreciate you guys listening. Yeah, absolutely. It's nice to hear that it's uh, it's helping folks out. So, well, that being said, so what are we what are we going to talk about today? Well, Laura, today we're going to talk about something that I'm going to kind of lob the ball into your court quite a bit today uh, because we're talking about something that I think is really your your cup of tea. For the listeners out there that don't know, you, Laura has her uh, a podcast that's extremely successful, and it's called A Productive Woman, or The Productive Woman, and it's very good, very successful podcast, and a lot of what she talks about is obviously being productive and um, being a good manager of our time, and I, I thought about you a lot, a, a lot, Laura, when we very first started talking about this topic, because this actually first came up through a Facebook post by a dear friend of mine up in North Texas. He's also a phenomenal horseman and a, even a better man. Um, his name is Steve Stevens. He has a business up there called Steve Stevens Horsemanship, and you can find him on Facebook and Twitter too, I believe. But Steve had posted something in regard to whether or not, there was a question that he kind of presented to people. Does your organization or does the way you hang a halter, do you, does the way you hang your bri- bits and bridles, does it affect your horsemanship? And he left it at that. And then the conversation started and it was just amazing. And he and I both were shocked by some of the feedback that, no, it doesn't matter if I drop my halter and leave it on the ground and I, I know where it is, I can get it the next day. And and I, I just hang it in the tack room, just any old way. Sometimes I hang it by the nose band. Sometimes I just hang it by the lead rope and whatever. I mean, you could just tell that people just kind of didn't really think much about how to hang their tack. And then they were kind of shocked by the responses that a lot of professionals were giving, which was, oh, yes, we're very meticulous about how we hang our tag. Very meticulous about how we hang our halter. It's slightly different, but everybody in their own little way is very meticulous about how they do that. And the question would be then, Laura, would be, well, what difference does it make really if 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 I hang my halters or my tack up a certain way? Does that mean that I'm that, – that I – by being a slob in the way I hang my halters and my lead rope, is how's that going to affect my horsemanship? I mean, that's the real question is, how does that affect my horsemanship? And my response was, I think, pretty plain. And, and my response was this, that whenever we hang our halters and our lead ropes and our head stalls and, and our bits and our reins, we hang them meticulously. And I'm not talking about anally, like, you know, there's got to be a very specific way and a very, whatever. But I mean, when they're well organized and it's well placed, in other words, you know where it is, you know why it's where it is, that to me makes things organized. And when things are organized, it just keeps the chaos and the clutter kind of out of the way. And so one thing that I think of when I when I want to hang up my tack a certain way, it, it kind of tells people around me 
that I'm an organized person. And especially as a professional, I want my clients to see me as an organized professional, that things don't just happen chaotically. And then when things do happen chaotically, we work very hard and very diligently to put things back in order. If I was a client, I would like to see that sort of planning and organization and care taken because that might, in my opinion, might spill over to the care and attention that might be given to my horse. And we'll get to the horsemanship aspect of that just a little while later. The other thing is, is that because I'm also a trainer of people, um, in fact, we, we've got an intern program starting on October the 1st of this year, and I use the organization of my tack room, the organization of my tack racks as almost like a teaching tool. For example, I might say, Laura, can I get you to go to my tack room and get me a snaffle bit? And you might scratch your head going, oh my goodness, yeah, I want to go do that, but I don't even know what a snaffle bit is. How am I going to grab a snaffle bit? So we could do a little trial and error thing. You could go back and forth and try to find it. You could come running back going, hey, Van, this is it. Nope, that's not it. And you could go back and you could try it again. And hey, Van, is this it? Nope, that's not it. And you could keep doing that. But if I could tell you, oh, it's a snaffle bit, Laura. It's the second bit from your left when you walk in the tack room door. Now, you still may not know what a snaffle bit is, but if you can count the bridle hooks and you go second from the left, okay, that's one, that's two, and you grab it. And then just by doing deductive reasoning, you can assume now that that's what a snaffle bit looks like. And then when you bring it back out there to me, you hit a home run on the first try. You got it correct the first time. And then when you get the affirmation from me going, hey, Laura, that's it. Thank you very much for bringing that to me. Now you know for sure that that was the right snaffle bit that we were talking about. So just by having my tack room organized and telling you very specifically to, where to go, you know now what tool to grab. And at the same time, your time has been used very wisely. You've been very efficient. And at the same time, now you know what a snaffle bit is. The other thing is, is I'll test you later and I'll say, would you mind going and put this back where you got it? And I want to see if you'll go put it back on that second hook from the left. And when you do, now I've shared my organizational skills with you. And at the same time, we got you educated about the bit. So to me, I, I like to use that organization as not only a reflection on me professionally, not only as a teaching tool for me, but also lastly, I like to look at it as a way to preserve my equipment. If I take care of it, I just don't care. I don't just drop it in the dirt, and let my reins hang down, and, and I put things back up properly. It helps those pieces of equipment hold their shape better. It keeps the dirt out of the fibers. It keeps the dirt and grit off the leather. It just seems to preserve my equipment a lot better. And I take a lot of pride in the fact that sometimes my bridle reins are 15, 20 years old. I love the fact that we've taken good enough care of my equipment over the years that we've got bridle reins and head stalls that are literally that old. So those are the three primary reasons I want folks to think about the, the impact, I guess you could say, of having a well-organized tack room, and then ask yourself the question, does organizational skills help your horsemanship? Well, I would think, yeah, I mean, just think, listening to what you describe as the, the three reasons it matters to you, certainly it's going to affect your horsemanship if your gear is well taken care of. I mean, you know, things that aren't cared for deteriorate more quickly and are just not going to be as effective as tools. I, I think you're exactly right. Another thing that I want people to think about, and this is, again, maybe it's just me being a little bit anal with things, but I like things to have, I guess what I might refer to as organized chaos. And the reason I say organized chaos is that 
as we're working with horses, we know that horses live very much in the moment, which means that we can have the greatest plan in, in, in place, but the horse can very quickly and easily change our plans. And, and kind of a joke I made some time back was, if, if you want to make horses and God laugh, just tell them your plan. And, uh, and and what I mean by that is is that they have no real plan, and you know there, there's there's a plan out there, but we don't know what it is, and so as a result, it kind of forces us to kind of stay in the moment. But to me, a really well organized horseman has at least somewhat of a plan. The trick is we don't get attached to that plan. The reason that I think that having a well organized tack room is that we have to plan to put things there where we want it and and make things efficient in that organization. And you might think, well, okay, goodness, well, okay, Van, we get that part, but, but what about the training aspect of it? How's that going to help me as a horseman on the practical side of training? Well, what I've learned over the years is that whenever we practice organization, we practice also organizing our thoughts. And when we organize our thoughts, it helps us then organize our actions. And as we organize our actions, we can begin to test and modify and work our actions to the point where we can then start taking a look at our results. And now we get back to, and again, I hate to bore people with these things again, but there's those four questions again. The last of which is, how do we measure our successes? And we do those by putting those actions into play, and then we measure how those actions turned out. If we liked it, we leave it alone. If we don't like it, then we tweak it, and we kind of start all over. So you see, by by having things around us organized. And again, I'm not talking about being anal about things. It's just that as we get things, gets used to having that organization as part of who we are and a part of what we do, then it begins to spread out into other aspects of, of the things that we do, such as the actual horse training. We begin to think of things in steps and in processes. And as we think of things in logical steps and logical processes, it's not only easier for us to implement our actions and our plans, but at the same time, it makes it easier for those around us, and specifically our horses, to follow that logic. So you see, it's not just organizing a tack room and hanging a halter a very specific way. It's the practice of doing so. And in the practice of doing so, you're learning those organizational skills that later come into practices, and those practices turn into actions, and those actions turn into measurable results. Yeah, I, and I can totally see that. I think, you know, there, there may be people listening who, who I, I guess, would maybe disagree and would say, you know, what my tack room looks like has nothing to do with how I think. And and you see that not just in horsemanship, you see it in my profession as a lawyer. Some some lawyers have offices that are, to my view, a disaster area. The desks are piled with paper and, you know, you can't find anything. And I would argue, how can you think clearly in an environment like that? And they say they can. I, you know, I, I guess I can't argue with them, but from a very practical perspective, Having your, whether it's your, you know, your barn, your tack room, your, your tack part of your trailer or whatever organized is simply going to save you time. I mean, there are all kinds of statistics out there about the amount of time we lose every year looking for stuff. Oh, absolutely. So that's the case for, for all of us in any area of our life, whether it's your tack room or your kitchen or your office or whatever, 
if it's well organized, if you know exactly where everything is, if there is, you know, the, the old cliche of a place for everything and everything in its place, you're not going to lose that time looking for that, that bit you want or that pair of reins you want or the saddle blanket you want. And you're also going to be able to take advantage when there's help available to you because other people are going to be able to find things kind of the way you were describing. And again, it's true in every area of our life, not just our tack room. But if I want somebody to help me fix dinner, they're going to, you know, because I'm off doing something else, it's going to be easier for them to do that in my kitchen. If I can say, you know, the colander is in that cupboard and the potatoes are in that place or whatever, And so there really is a a very practical value to being organized in the way you handle your stuff. Don't we keep the colander in the bathroom and the potatoes in the guest room or something? I mean, (laughs) well, yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Because you're exactly right, though. I mean, by the time we went looking for all the stuff because it wasn't in a practical, logical location, then I couldn't imagine. What's that old cliche, Laura? Uh, What is it? Cluttered desk, cluttered mind or something like that? Something um, like that, you know, and again, some people may disagree. So there, there are people who feel like uh, I work best in a crazy environment. Now, scientifically, the studies that have been done would say that's not the case. But when I think of, you know, if we want to bring it back to the barn, so to speak, most of us, you know, your job is working with horses and their owners. That's what you do for your job. For most of us, that's not the case. We have another job, whether it's going to an office somewhere or running a household and taking care of our kids or whatever. And we have a finite amount of time to spend with our horses. And if we have to lose some of that time to digging through the tack room or the our horse trailer or the back of seat of our truck to find the bridle we want and the the you know what the pieces we want for what we're going to do then we've we've lost that time that's less time to enjoy working with and 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 riding our horses and that's the number one believe it or not that's the number one and dare I say excuse that I get from people when they're talking about their horse's behavior well I just don't have time to spend with him I just don't have time and yet what we're talking about now just those little organizational things that we could do, hanging things up in a proper location, hanging them up in a way that they're ready to use the minute you pick it up. Um, Then as a result, we save those little bitty pieces of time here and there. And then before you know it, we've got time to spend 30 minutes to an hour or so with the horses that we didn't think that we had. So to me, I just, I, and again, I appreciate everyone else's argument about, well, I just don't see how, how I hang my halter was a reflection on my horsemanship. But to me, it's all part of it. I I would love to do whatever we could do to try to help people save time, organize their time better so that they could enjoy their horses more because that's why we're all doing it. I may do it on a professional level, but most people do it just for no other reason just to have a lot of fun with their horses. And to me, I think those little bitty things add up to saving ourselves that time and organization that hopefully we can spend with more fun with our horses instead of the unfun stuff of looking for stuff. Although I will say too, some people I, th- I think really enjoy having that excuse. They want to be disorganized so that they can say they want to ride, but then they don't have to because they didn't find the time to do so. Or I could have ridden, but I darn it, I just couldn't find my dead gum bridle. So I just, I'm just not going to ride today. And believe it or not, there are folks out there like that. And 
those people we need to help in other ways and but but not so much into this organization thing but we just need to help those people get motivated in some other way but um i hope that for those who who might have joined us on that facebook discussion i hope that if they're listening they will they'll, they'll join in with this too and send us more questions more concerns and let us know what they think about this uh, about this idea that uh, or this topic that we've come up with and and share their ideas with us as well laura well yeah but but let me ask this you know, I guess sure. we've we've sort of thrown out the theory that you ought to be organized in the way you care for and store your your gear. Maybe we should give a little practical advice when it comes to whether it's halters or saddles or whatever. Is there a a better way aside from just having a place to put it and always putting it in that place so you can always go get it? Are there any tips you can give in terms of how to care for these things and, and the best best place to put them or, or anything like that? Well, for me, for example, every horse on the property has its own halter. And I do that for several reasons. If, if we need to evacuate, for example, and down here in South Texas, even though it's only happened once in the time that I've been down here, there was the threat of evacuation. We didn't have to evacuate, but there was that threat. There was that concern. And... So many times I'll go to a place and they've got one halter for every five horses or so. And it blows my mind because I'm thinking, what's going to happen if you ever have to move more than one horse at a time and you just don't have the equipment? So one thing that we do in our barn is that we always have at least one halter and one lead rope for every horse on the property. Another thing we do is at every stall and at every turnout area, that horse's halter is hanging right there by that horse. That way we don't have to go look for the halter. If we know where the horse is, we know where the halter is. So that saves us time. Even when we get there, one thing that we encourage is that we hang the halters up a very specific way so that it's very easy to get, lay, the, lay a lead rope over your arm, untie or unbuckle your halter, and then walk into the uh, area where your horse is, ready to slide it onto the horse. So many times I hear people say, well, my horse is hard to catch. And the reason why is they walk up there and they're not prepared. They don't touch and pet and rub on the horse. They touch it maybe, or they say, hey, how are you? And now they're standing right there. Meanwhile, they're trying to unbuckle their halter, get it all ready. And meanwhile, the horse goes, hmm, I guess you just stopped to visit. And I know what you're doing now, so I just think I'm going to quietly leave. And then they have to re-catch their horse again. So to me, when we organize what we're doing and we're planning ahead and and what we're doing, by the time we make contact with our horse, if we are going to catch it, we're prepared to do so. That's just with the halter aspect of it. In the in my tack room in particular, we like to have all of our bits organized from what I call start to finish. So when you look at my tack room, we've got all of our young colt bits or whatever you want to call those. In other words, all of our snaffle bits are all together. And as the horse progresses, anybody that's ever been on my website, they know that I have what we call a transition series of a, of a bit line. So my tack room is organized just like our transition series. So we go from the very mild bits to the more bits that you might use on a quote-unquote finished horse. So they're, they're just progressive as you go. And so as a result of that, we know very well where to go in our tack room. The other thing I would recommend to people that if you're going to ride with split reins, and it's usually leather reins, you know, that are two reins instead of just one, know where you hold your reins normally. And then when you get ready to put your reins and hang them on your bridle hook, fold your reins only one time and put that area over the bridle hook 
the exact same area that you normally hold your reins. As a result, the reins will naturally have that bend that's mm -hmm. already in them. And it's in a very specific area where your bend would be in your hand. So you're actually training the reins to, to lay a certain way in your hand, even when they're not in your hand. Yeah. So those are little bitty tidbit things that, that we like to try to do uh, in our tack room. And that's just with the halters and the, and the, and the bridles. Our saddles are very similar. I want everything to be very easy and efficient. So every saddle has a cinch. Every saddle has a back cinch. Every saddle has uh, the tie strap. And our tie straps are always tied onto our saddles in a certain way that they're very quick and easy to, to cinch into the centering so that you don't have to unravel everything and then, then circle it back up through the centering. You just pull one time. And it goes right into your centering, and it and it's ready to tighten up on your horse without it without the cinch ever touching the ground or the tie strap, in other words, ever touching the ground. So you see, everything that we do is it saves little bitty minute pieces of time. And people might say, well, why did you learn to do all that, and what you know, what did it really matter? Well, back in the day, matter of fact, I had a conversation earlier today with a friend of mine that was in Sulphur Springs many years ago, and they knew how crazy my schedule used to be as far as training would go to where I'd ride anywhere between 15 to 18 head of horses in one day, start very, very early in the morning, and you ride until very late at night. But when you're riding that many horses, you don't want to waste time looking for crap. You don't want to waste time fiddling with equipment that you don't need to really fiddle with. So everything that we did was very efficient. And now that I'm not under the pressure of riding 15 to 18 head of horses today, I just find that it's just so easy and, and relaxing to, to do things so quietly and efficiently and effectively. Not that I'm in a big hurry to get to the next horse, but because now I don't have to be in a hurry. Everything is so well organized and, and so well thought out because of those pressures taught me how to do that. And now that I'm not under pressure, I can really enjoy the luxury of the time that it saved me. And, and then it makes it where I get in the, get in the saddle. I just sit there for a few minutes going, you know what? I don't even have to ride off right now. I can just sit here and do nothing. <laughs> and that feels pretty good sometimes. And that's the relaxation because for the non-professionals out there and the ones that, like you said, that just have horses very casually and they just want to spend time with them and they don't really expect to be judged by a neighbor or a client on how well organized their tack room is. I certainly understand that. But at the same time, I just think that it's so fun to be around our horses when we are relaxed. And the cool thing is our horses sense that as well. And in fact, we mentioned at the very beginning of this episode about our dear friend up in New Hampshire, Carrie. And one of the things that I was talking to her about when, through the consultations was, Carrie, just relax. Focus on the things that you know and relax. And you see, sometimes being well-organized and well-planned, it just keeps it things easier for us to focus and easier for us to relax because things are at least as predictable as we can make them. And as we do that, it suddenly amazes me how it affects other aspects of what we're doing. So you start your ride off without chaos. And before you know it, you're riding your ride without chaos and you end your ride without chaos because it was all kind of organized, <laughs> you know, not that we have to go by a certain plan. I don't want people to think that it's just that you're just more relaxed because things kind of went in a nice little flow. And that's what, to me, it's all about. Well, there is something to be said for the peace of mind and that relaxation that comes from having things kind of in an orderly way. So you don't have to stress about time lost 
looking for things that you need or, you know, digging through things you don't need to get to the one thing that you do need. So That's exactly right. Yep. Every minute you spend looking for the stuff you need is a minute you're not riding your horse. Yes, that's exactly right. And, you know, I even think about that from the, that, that same idea and that same process in, in riding your horse. You know, just by being that relaxed and by being that focused, it just, it just makes it easier for you to pass that on while you're riding. If it doesn't make sense to you because you're having chaotic thoughts or you don't know what to do, just stop and pause, reorganize your thoughts. And then those thoughts, again, will kind of help you organize your actions. And before you know it, you're, you're organizing those processes and those processes become somewhat logical to your horse. And before you know it, your horse understands what it is that you want. So you see that to me, the organization aspect of it is just, I mean, everything from hanging the halters, hanging the bridles, you know, setting your equipment on your, on your saddles a certain way into the process of riding and everything. It's all a practice. So I guess just to answer that little simple question, does being organized affect your horsemanship? And I personally think that it most certainly does in, in all aspects. But, you know, the bottom line is we just want people to have fun with what they're doing. And if, you know what, being a slob makes you happy, then go be a slob. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to judge. Yeah, who's going to judge? Because actually, uh, there are some people, too, I look in their tack rooms, and I look in their horse shows, oh, my goodness. But, you know, they're, they're the happy-go-luckiest people I know. And as a result, I'm thinking, you know, why change that? You know, mm-hmm. why go and? Oh, you know what? I'm going to go do what Van said and get my tack room all organized. Oh my goodness, they might not know how to act if that thing was all organized. So, if they're having fun the way that it is, by all means, it's 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 it, it shouldn't define you. In other words, it's just that you know I I do think it's a reflection in some ways, but it shouldn't. It certainly shouldn't define them. Yeah, absolutely. So, just uh, as a question, I guess, do you have? In the the Top Hand Club video library, do you have any videos that relate to this, like how to care for tack or any of these sorts of things that we've been talking about? We do, and we're going to be adding a lot more, Laura, and here's why. We've worked very closely with an organization called Equirax, and as they send me stuff for my new tack room, we're going to be setting it up and videoing while we're setting it up and then why we are setting it up the way we are. And, um, and then we're going to, we're going to videotape that. And then when we get ready to, to put the head stalls and the bridles all in their new places. We're going to be telling why we put those, those bridles, where we put them. And we're going to kind of go on that process. And I'll show people like the difference if you're riding with a loop rein, in other words, a one piece rein, some people call it a roping rein. Uh, there's three names for the same one, isn't there? With loop rein, roping rein, or, or a, a one rein. But we'll show them how we hang those. And we show them if we've got split reins, for example, the long leather reins. We'll show them how we lay them over our head stalls and why we do it the way we do it. So we're even if there are videos on there now, which I think there are, we're going to be adding these new ones that I think are going to be very better or very much more detailed and hopefully just as educational. And those will be added very soon because our all of our new stuff is going to be arriving any day now. So we're going to start filming it literally as we are unboxing it and putting it into the tack room. So that to me is going to be pretty exciting stuff. And um, and if people are kind of want to get a heads up on that before we actually get started, they can just go to equiracks.com or they can go to my website and then click on that link. But it's uh, equiracks.com is a really, really cool company that's going to help us get our tack room newly organized. 
Well, so in, in my thought there is that if, you know, if you've been inspired by what Van has had to say to, to that you're, you're going to want to go get your tack room in order, but you want some ideas on how to do that, checking out the video library in the top hand club might be a good place to start. Absolutely. And, you know, we certainly want to encourage people to do that. The existing members, man, I can't thank you guys enough because you guys interact with us quite a bit. And we also want to encourage other people to uh, to check out the Top Pan Club. And for those of you who don't know what it is, it's literally just a video library that's almost constantly growing. We're, we're adding new videos almost on a weekly basis. And sometimes we'll go two or three weeks and not add anything. And then you'll come back and there's there's 10 to 20 more new ones that are on there. For example, Laura, we're getting ready to leave uh, really just in a couple of days to head up to Canada to do a, a clinic tour up there. And uh, the entire time while we're there, we video every aspect of the clinic. And we also video the question and answer sessions during those types of events. And eventually we get back home and we edit those and we put those on the Top Pan Club as well. So it's constantly new stuff going into the library. And um, and, and I, I hope that people will, will look those up and especially these that we talked about today, the, the organization of the TAC room. And, and I'd also encourage people to look out for the ones that we're going to be adding very, very soon. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, the Top Hand Club is a, a good resource for people. There are a lot of things that we can talk about on the podcast that you can give some great information, but in some cases, and for instance, you know, how to, the best way to hang your reins in your head stall. A picture really is worth a thousand words, and a video is worth even more than that. And and uh, it's it's so much easier to watch somebody do it than to hear it described. And so, I encourage people to check that out. The, the Top Hand Club for those who don't know, if you're you're new to the show, it's a it's Vans. It's basically a subscription service. You get uh, unlimited access to this video library, and you get some other things that go with it. This this really wasn't supposed to be a promo shot, but I think it's relevant to what we were talking about here because you can learn some things by watching somebody do it. And, and that's why these videos are so valuable. But members of the Top Hand Club get other things as well, discounts on the tack that Van sells and, and to some of the events that he does. So uh, check that out on the website. If you're looking for resources to help you improve your organizational skills in the barn and, uh, or your horsemanship in any element. Absolutely. You know what, Laura, I got another, now we're kind of on that little topic. I got another really cool announcement. What's really cool is I've been asked to, I guess you could say, be a consultant for a company that's down here in South Texas. It's called Ranger Gate. We've worked with them in the past on some things, and these guys are looking to really expand and grow their equine area of their business. So they've asked us to be consultants for them and helping them design a new round pin of which we've already designed, uh, both a professional version as well as kind of a non-pro version. We are also going to be helping them design some new stalls, feeders, waters, all sorts of really cool things. And I'd like to encourage people to stay up to date on that. And they can find out more information about that on our website as well. Of course, that's vanhargis.com. And the company we'll be working with and consulting with on that is called Ranger Gate. Now, why is that so important to our listeners? That sounds like it's really cool for me. Here's the cool thing for our listeners. Everything that I help them design will be co-branded. It'll be co-branded with Van Hargis Horsemanship and uh, Ranger Gate. Anything that's co-branded with my name on it, in other words, our logo on that item on their website or on ours, means that they get a 10% discount on those items. At, I mean, at least a 10% discount on those items if you're a Top Hand member. Mm. So... 
that's a great way to save a boatload of money on a round pin if you're considering one and on some other things that are going to be on that side as well. So we're very, very excited about this new working relationship we've got going on with Ranger Gate now. Well, you're just getting all over the place, aren't you? You know what? And this is a cool part, Laura, is that, and you know me well enough to know too, I don't do squat with people that I don't like. In other words, if it's companies that I really respect and they stand by what they do, I'm, I'm in, always intrigued by companies that really do well and that are successful. And yet when those companies ask me for my input, I'm just, I'm tickled to help them out and, and to work with them. And then when they, when they want to work with me on a, on a basis of like this one, literally co-branding some of their equipment, it's pretty, it's pretty exciting for me. And I, and because it's exciting for me, I want to share that excitement with, with other people, because now I can honestly say to those people, look, this is tried and true. And if you don't like it, tell me, and we'll change it because these companies rely on the relationship that I have with our clientele to give them really good, valid information and feedback so that we can constantly improve the products that we're, that we're a part of. And so as a result, it's just really, really exciting for me. And, and for example, you've heard me mention this on a previous episode. You know, the, the, one of the pieces of equipment that I use at least every day and sometimes twice a day is an arena drag. And uh, again, I just recently met up with the guy that actually makes my favorite arena drag. And when I told him my story about the, the, that arena drag and how much I liked it and how disheartened I was when it was stolen from me, the guy sent me a new one. I'm thinking, man, you're talking about incredible integrity for, for a you know, company to make these great products for so many years and then think enough of their old customers to basically just gift them a piece of equipment that they dearly loved. And here's the really cool part. He asked me to be a part of their team and to help them promote their stuff and at the same time help me pass on savings to, again, our top hand members. And I'm thinking those are the types of companies that we want to deal with. And those are the types of companies that, um, that it's no secret why they're successful. And they're successful because they care so much about, about their customers. And, um, and because they do, it makes it easy for me to try to pass on their integrity and their caring for their customers to the people who are listening to Ride Over Stride and who go to our, our clinics and our seminars and our speaking engagements. So I, I'm just ex- I'm very excited, Laura, to be able to, to do that and to help people out and help them share some of the things that we've got going on with some of these really, really good, reputable companies. Yeah, I don't doubt it. It sounds uh, sounds like a, a win-win-win, as you have often said you like being part of. Absolutely, yep. So I, I hope that people will follow what's going on on our website, stay abreast of these things. And if you need things um, that we have listed on our website, let us know and we'll do everything in our power to give you the, the best information that we possibly can for them or about them. And at the same time, if you're a top hand member, we're going to help save some money for you too. We want to take care of you in that regard. So there you are. I guess we, we've kind of wandered off the topic of being organized, but you know, having, having good equipment is part of being a, a good horseman or horsewoman. For those who maybe have some questions, getting back to the topic that we talked about today, uh, you may have an opinion on uh, some of the things that Van had to say today, and I know he would love to hear your opinion, hear what you have, what your thoughts are on this. So feel free to reach out. You can either join in a conversation on the Van Hargis Horsemanship Facebook page, uh, because Van watches that, and he'll he'll be sure to answer your questions or engage in that conversation with you there. If you want to uh, share your thoughts on this topic or 
anything else for that matter, suggestions for future shows, etc. And you want to do that privately, you can email your comments or your questions or your suggestions to Van at info at vanhargis.com. And uh, he, he loves hearing from you. Other than that, I think just visit the website, vanhargis.com, all kinds of stuff going on there. Van's calendar is there, information about some of these products that he's talked about, the store is there, and of course, the link to join the Top Hand Club. But that that's kind of, it's Van Hargis Central at, at, Van, <laughs> right. at vanhargis.com. That's where you're going to find everything, including a contact page where you can send a, send a message to him. Anything else you wanted to say before we wrap up? Just one reminder, um, and again, it kind of goes back to the website, but uh, Laura, we're, I, I get you know messages on Messenger. Um, people occasionally send me an email, and they'll ask about me coming to their location and speaking to their writing club, their 4-H organization, or whatever the case may be. And the, the reality is, yes, we can do that. All, we, all they need to do is just go and send us a, a request, ask for more information and what we charge and what we'll you know, what our schedule's like. Um, there's nothing that I enjoy more than going out and meeting the people at these venues. So if you're inquiring about a clinic or me coming to your facility to speak to your organization, it's as simple as just going to our website at info at vanhargis.com, letting us know or and then let us know what you're what you're needing, what you're wanting from us, and we will do our dead level best to get back with you as quickly as possible. Because again, there's nothing that I'd enjoy more than to coming in your backyard and working with your horses at a clinic and or coming to your venue and doing either it be a motivational speech or whatever a case may be for your organization. So it's pretty simple. Just go to info at vanhargis.com and tell us what you got going on and how we can help you. With that said, I'd like to also say, uh, again, thank you for all that you do to help the podcast uh, be successful. And and, uh, and I, I know our listeners just really dig what you do. Again, you, you tend to ask all the questions that they would normally ask. So it's, uh, again, I'm thanking you on their behalf because they're always telling me to say hi to Laura and tell her thank you for what she does. So I'd like to express that thanks. And again, thank you listeners for listening to us and and sharing us with your thoughts, your successes, and some of the questions that you have. Keep throwing those at us. We love it and I encourage you to continue that. And I'd like to remind everybody that until next time, remember, it's your ride, it's your trail, it's your journey. So ride over stride. Stride.